This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and this is our post-match show of Foam's 2-0 victory against Blackburn at Craven Cottage. Joining me are co-hosts, Giannis Janaeus and Max Cohen. Along with that, we have a special guest. Benjamin Bloom is joining us. He was at the match. He does a popular YouTube video series, and he's going to share his analysis of this match, which is very interesting. I highly recommend you going on to YouTube and checking out Ben's video review of this match. Okay, let's get going. First, let me bring back on my co-host first, Mr. Janaeus. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, mate. How are you doing today on this glorious Sunday morning? I am doing wonderful. I look forward to doing this show with you, Max and Ben. Fantastic. Should be fun. It absolutely should. Let me bring Max on the line. Mr. Cohen, how are you doing this morning? Are you in a good mood? I'm doing great, Russ. First league win in around, you know, three and a half months. So, hey, how about that for a a Sunday morning? (laughs) Very good there, my friend. Well, listen, I look forward to doing this show with you. Let's bring on our special guest. Ben, you were on Cottage Talk about two years ago. You are an Ipswich supporter, but what's great is that you are now making all these YouTube videos about the championship. So, again, thank you for joining us today on Cottage Talk. No, you're very welcome. And on behalf of all the championship fans, thank you for giving us our lovely away day back. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny there, Ben. Listen, please tell all the Fulham supporters how they can follow you on Twitter, your YouTube series, and anywhere else that they can reach you. Yeah, so it's at Benjamin Bloom on Twitter. If you just type Benjamin Bloom into YouTube. um, I I started doing Ipswich videos um, a couple of years ago, then branched out to other teams. Obviously, Ipswich were relegated from the championship last year, but I'd built up an audience with the clubs there. So I continue to do championship um, stuff from a completely impartial point of view, especially now Ipswich and Norwich have gone. Um, So... Yeah, if you're a Fulham fan, I think well worth subscribing for the neutral view. Although I, I must out myself as a bit of a Yukanovich fan. And the last time I saw you guys was indeed 
um, the playoff final of two years ago now. Okay, excellent. And uh, I was there as well. And that's interesting because you actually talk about Jokanovic in this video. So let's start off here. Just give me your just initial thoughts on Fulham's 2-0 victory. And uh, like I said, I, I highly recommend people watching your video. But just let's start your opening thoughts. Well, it was slightly confusing because when you see a 2-0 home win, you assume, um, you know, nice, dominant performance. But it kind of threw up a lot more questions, I thought, than answers. Obviously, you guys have got a far better read on this because I've not seen Fulham play. Um, But then again, maybe I can do a more pure championship comparison. I've not seen Fulham play for a season, so... I'm really directly comparing this to a Jukanovic 4-3-3 with Kenny, Johansson and McDonald. I look down at the team sheet and I think possibly Knockart and Cavaliero are upgrades on Cabano and Aite, who would have been the last players I saw. Obviously, Sessignon's a big loss. And it would have been Target and Fredericks compared to Adoy and Brian. So I look at the team sheet and I feel there's better players, but I really felt they were struggling with the, the the pattern of play and they were clearly working to some very specific instructions from Scott Parker and either it's not quite clicked yet or it's not going to work. I suspect it's with the quality of these players, it's that it's not quite, quite clicked yet. But there seem to be um, a few sort of glaring mistakes, particularly in the pattern of play in terms of building up from the back, which a lot of Fulham fans spotted very quickly. And I do have to preface this by saying not all teams are going to come to Fulham and sit there, drop their striker back and not press and just give a line of four and say, pass through us. That said, um, I thought Fulham laboured. I thought the first goal was pretty against the run of play. Brilliant goal by Kearney, obviously, which we'll talk about. Um, And other than... Knockart trying to do a lot of stuff by himself. I didn't actually think Fulham played that well yesterday, but I would bow to your guys' um, superior judgment having seen them over over the last season. That would be my initial thoughts as a um, just as a starting point for the conversation. Okay, excellent, and we're definitely going to talk about putting the ball out from the back and your thoughts on that in just a bit. And then, of course, I I do want to also talk about the midfield three. These are two talking points that I definitely want to go through as we go through the post-match show. But, Giannis, I want to go to you first. I want to get your opening thoughts, but also what Ben shared about the match, his view. Well, I think the results are a relief. I mean, that was shot of the result off of Oakland last weekend. Um, you know, I think a lot of fans expected we were going to go out there and waltz and take the three points and give them a something, and it didn't happen. Um, I think Ben's comments aren't that far off. Um, we were disjointed at times, and you know, we've got a, a number of new players that just come in. You've got Harry Hart that come in and strengthen the lineup for the KMAC, and of course, you know, there's been question marks about the back four who goes in at right back, and that becomes critical in terms of this philosophy of trying to play out from the back. I think right. you've got to have the players that can do it. Um, so, and I, I think um, we played with nervousness at times. Um, I agree with Ben. I don't think often score lines belie the actual tempo and pattern of the game. And, I mean, it, it, Tom Tom scored a worldie. 
Um, and they'll probably Tony Mowbray said after the game that you know um, it could have, it could very easily have been two nothing otherwise. So I think they'll feel slightly aggrieved. But there's some things that have got to be worked on, right? And some decisions. And I'm curious, you know, it's the old adage of do you play um, do you play a system according to the players that you um, have, or do you um, or who the players are, or do you, you go vice versa, and I've always been, you know, got to get the players and play to what their strengths as opposed to what your strengths as a coach. So it looked like we're feeling our way in a little bit, but um, I think the big thing for most Fulham fans would be at least getting off the schneid and getting the three points. Very interesting there, Yanis, and I tend to agree with what you were talking about because do you stick with the system or do you play to the strengths of your players and change the system to fit that? That's actually a very interesting topic for us, and uh, over to you, Max. I want to get your thoughts on what Ben just shared, and then, of course, what Yanis just shared, and your opening thoughts as well. Yeah, I think for sure what Ben said was was really fascinating because that neutral perspective from someone who hasn't necessarily been in that echo chamber of the Fulham, you know, Twitterverse is so refreshing because I think a lot of the way we saw this match and people on social media did was in response to, as Giannis mentioned, you know, the Barnsley way match, the first game of the season. And Ben, it was a complete meltdown from the entire Fulham fan base after that one loss. <laughs> so I think a lot of what, how we're seeing this match is, as Giannis mentioned, a relief compared to that, you know, capitulation and just terrible performance at Oakwell. We, we're certainly the best team in the league just because we put in a rather professional performance. But I have to agree with Ben. You know, it was not dominating. It wasn't free-flowing. There no. were some you know, flashes of brilliance and flashes of really good play. But it was not a complete 90-minute performance. But as it is, you know, it's, it's August 11th. It's so early on in the season. And I just think as, as all of these new pieces, uh, certainly an attack, start to gel, I think we'll be better. But again, I think the biggest part of this match was in comparison to Barnsley, Harry Archer right in front of that back four and Tim Ream slotting in at center half. Yes. Those are the two big things totally I'm going to identify. That. That, that gives me a lot of confidence going forward. Okay. And my opening thoughts are similar to what I said on full time. To your point, Max, listen, it, it is a relief. And Yana said the same thing. And we wanted to see improvement and they got all three points. And that's the most important thing. But I think we would be blind if we did not see this play and uh, what needs to be worked on. That's why we do this show. We analyze what Fulmer doing positively and negatively. So the big positive is Arthur and Reem, like you had said, Max, the fact that they got all three points, but it was also a disjointed performance. It's certainly not the Jokanovic style of play. And as Ben said, that's something that he's used to. And I'm used to myself and I want to see if it's going to go back to that, but we don't know that yet. And uh, could it ultimately not work? Of course, anything can ultimately not work. But these are all new players, and I, I have to believe with their talent. And Parker and his staff will eventually get them all on the same page, and it will start to gel. This is the beginning stages. And uh, I look at this in, in other sports and other teams I follow, that even the beginning of the season, it, it's about getting everyone on the same page, and eventually it works. So that's my hope on this, and uh, I think we have the talent to have it all work together. But, Ben, I want to go back to you because I think the number one talking point what we started full-time with was obviously talking about the victory, happy about the victory, but I brought up the situation with playing the ball off from the back and how Fulham struggled with that. Now, on your YouTube video, you gave, I thought, very good analysis of why it looked the way it did. 
and the solutions to it. So please uh, fill us in here on the post-match show, your thoughts on Fulham playing the ball off in the back and how Blackburn set up to stop them. Well, my head is literally exploding with thoughts after listening to the <laughs> listening to the three of you um, speak. Um, so much to say. Um, obviously, with Yukanovic, it was quite sort of beautifully um, executed the way that they worked on it and the way it was in the end. And just as a detached observer, I I frankly can't understand why. Fulham wouldn't just try, given that six or seven of the players are still there from Jukanovic's promoted team. Well, they wouldn't try to in some way replicate that. I know Parker will want to put his um, put his own stamp on it, but you would think he would take that as a blueprint that we know will clearly work. This is the championship. This is not the Premier League. We saw Norwich, uh, Leeds, Sheffield United and Villa were the four teams that managed to kind of do this last season and go figure three of them got promoted. So my standpoint is if Fulham with, with the players got, they've got, if Fulham are able to execute this, they will be, they will be promoted. So that's where I'm, I'm coming from with this. The reason it wasn't working one, there wasn't enough snap. It wasn't, it wasn't, the ball wasn't moving quickly enough. It was Bettinelli popping it down and in they come into the box now as, as they're allowed to and side to side between Reem and Mawson. But I just felt it was really flawed positionally that Adoy and Brian were, were too flat. So there was no angle to work out from there. And then for some reason, uh, Parker seemed to have asked Knockart and Cavaliero to be really, really wide. And when you're playing these inverted forwards, the way you get the overload is the fullbacks come forward. These guys tuck inside to get close to Mitrovic. Um, so I thought that was a problem with the actual shape of it is, are your fullbacks, you know, coming inside and you have having wide forward players or vice versa, which would seem to make a lot more sense given Cavaliero and Knockart are both inverted and coming in on their stronger foot. The thing that really got me the most, though, was the most brilliant thing about the Yukanovic midfield was how they rotated. And you would see Kearney drop back and Johansson drop back. And McDonald would, in the main, be the, the deep-lying guy. But they would rotate beautifully. There was no rotation at all. As um, Max said, it was very much right. Arta is the deep guy. And Kenny and Johansson seemed a, a long way apart from him. And I just remember that three as a unit just being dominating teams, absolutely dominating teams in the championship. And I felt that... The rotation in the centre midfield was just not there. Look, they're obviously being asked to do do that, and I accept it's Harry Arter's first game, and this will all go. But what what I felt I needed to see, so I'm rambling a little bit though. Um, I need to see the fullbacks further forward, the inside guys tucked in, and more rotation in the centre midfield. And obviously, the ball needed to be moved quicker because all Blackburn had to do they're playing a four two three one. Gallagher drops back. They didn't actually press. They stopped pressing at one point. They just said. Okay, Ream passed through us, and Ream and Mawson couldn't do it because flat fullbacks, no options in centre midfielders, and can Ream or Mawson ping a ball right out to the touchline to Cavaliero or Knockout? I don't think they could. So I think systematically it was broken, but um, it's not to say that players of this quality, um, which they've proven to be two seasons ago, and all the lone players have proven even at a higher level, should be able to do this. But um, that was how I felt it should have worked. And you guys wait until you see Leeds because they do it absolutely beautifully in the way that I've just kind of tried to describe. Okay. 
Max, your thoughts on what uh, Ben just shared about playing the ball off in the back and the possible solution to the issues Fulham are having? Yeah, I think a lot of that is totally spot on, especially with uh, the playing the ball out of the back. It's just infuriating because it just looks like a disaster waiting to happen. Every time Ben Nelly plays that uh, square ball, either to Moss and Areem, and we just invite pressure. And, and the biggest thing, just as Ben said very accurately, is that it's not that the playing the ball out of the back style in, in itself is going to be a problem, but it's how slow we do it. And if the ball isn't zipping with that kind of pace across the back, teams are just going to go up, pressure us, get the ball in their own half, and, and attack us when we're most vulnerable. And, and we cannot open ourselves up to that. Because that's I love him, but he's not the most technical of, of keepers. And if the ball is played to him, he's not going to make the best decision. Sometimes he gives it away easily. Sometimes he just kicks it out of touch. So we can't keep inviting pressure on ourselves. We need to play with pace. And then to the midfield uh, tactical point, I think it's very interesting to hear Ben say that you know the, the, the midfield dominated a couple years ago and the rotation was key. Because I, I think that's true, but also so many Fulham fans after the disaster we had last season when we had absolutely no defensive midfield to cover at all, except when we put Callum Chambers in there. And the midfield was so open, and I think that created so many of our defensive problems is that we had no one sitting in front of the back four. I think Fulham fans now are so happy just to see Arter be that man, that anchor man run from the defense. And although it might not be the best for the tactical system, uh, us Fulham supporters love just to see someone who can be a midfield marshal back there because we've missed that for so long. I think that's an interesting point that, you know, we might have rotated back in 17-18, but now in 1920, we just are crying out for someone who will just give us that stability and not really do too much, but just stand in front of the back four and be the man that shields them. Okay, interesting take there. Giannis, over to you. What are your thoughts about what Ben shared and then also what Max just shared? Well, I don't, I don't think Betts has ever been labeled as the greatest goalkeeper playing the ball out from the back. And um, it, did, it does give me ulcers watching them try to do it with new players coming in. And you ask, you, often I think you, you're taking them out of their com- comfort level. And I think it's a risky uh, approach for Scotty Park at the start of his coaching career. I think he needs to simplify things um, in terms of the building up from the back. I don't think we've got the players necessarily that can do that. You know, So I think... Um, don't be surprised if he, if he changes this up a little bit. Um, okay. Once he gets players like Reed, well, the two Reeds in, yep, into the lineup, um, and he's because I think, I mean, next weekend I'd be surprised if Jeff Steph chose in our lineup. Um, gonna be surprised if Bobby Reed comes in to play with Kenny and Arthur, uh, because now you've got a lot more fluidity and a lot more mobility. Yeah. Um, and then it, it might change the way he looks at, uh, looks at um, trying to play the ball from the back. I just, I mean, don't forget, Adoy is sort of a makeshift right back, you know. Um, so I think, to me, I don't like, well, I don't like it. I think you've got to have, I think you've got to have the players that can play that system. And I don't think the back four as a unit is good enough to play that system. And I think we need our strikers higher up the pitch to cause the sort of trouble that they can because we've got a lot of quality up there. I understand the system is going to take a bit of time, but we've got Huddersfield on Friday, right? And that's going to be a difficult, a difficult game. And they do have some pace, and um, they're pretty, a pretty spiky team. And um, we're going to have to be careful because um, the better teams will, uh, will punish us for any sort of um, 
any port passing. Uh, I suppose what I'm trying to say in abbreviated form is I'm not convinced that uh, this style of playing out from the back from work with the horses we've got at the moment. Okay, very good. All right, Ben, back to you before we really get into breaking down this match. Something that I said on full-time and you actually said during your video stood out to me because we're talking about the midfield three. You've already talked about your thoughts on it, but you also mentioned uh, Bobby Reed being introduced and then also Harrison Reed. But I, I mentioned that I thought Fulham went up a gear when Bobby Reed came in. Not that he was doing a tremendous amount, but what you said, I thought, was what I was watching. He brought energy and pace, and things were flowing a little bit differently. And then, of course, Harrison Reed was introduced later on as well. What are your thoughts about those introductions? Did that change how Fulham played in the later stages of the match? It did. Um, I think some of that was down to the fact that Mowbray, in the end, basically put all of his attacking players on and was basically playing a very open 4-4-2, which, which helped as well as the game went on. When that last, you, we got Stuart Downing playing at left back and yep. um, you sent the midfield, there's now Bradley Johnson and Bradley Dack. I, I, I mentioned in my video, I said, right, there's going to be another goal in this game now. Either Blackburn are equalised or Fulham will break away. So I did think that um, it would play into their hands. Reed added a bit more zip, as um, Yanis sort of alluded to. I was just when I when I saw that signing go through, I just wondered how it would fit at Fulham because I always remember I'm with Bob, you. I always remember Bobby Reed being uh, playing in a front two for Bristol City, um, and that was his best football. And um, rightly or wrongly, I still see Fulham as a four three three team from the Akanovic days. So he's either going to be a wide forward, and then you think, well, Cavaliero knockout would frankly be better at that but I'm, I'm just so interested hearing what the guys have been saying and obviously you wouldn't have seen from the championship last year this Bielsa led rage towards 4-1-4-1 so you have your one sitting midfielder it does strike me that now with the players you guys have accumulated since the transfer window that either a, a 4-1-4-1 or a 4-2-3-1 with even with the same players might solve these problems or as um Yanis was speaking I was thinking as well um Wolves were promoted playing this three at the back but with wide players up front as well so it strikes me that there's, there might actually be three other systems that may suit these players better in you know in the issues that that we've come up with obviously all of this could change because the pattern of play could could click it could right. click over the next three or four games but when, when you, I know football's not played on paper; it's played on grass. But when you look at you look at the players and you think how they might fit, and if he's wanting to play out from the back, well, uh, another body in the back three might help with that, and certainly a, a, another a double pivot centre midfielder would certainly help with other options for them them to play out. So maybe we might see Yukanovic's four three three finally um kind of thrown out. It's very interesting, Giannis. Your thoughts on that because you've already touched a little bit about this, that you're not sure if playing the ball off in the back is going to be the way forward. You you really don't know. What are your thoughts on what Ben just shared about potentially changing the shape? Well, I hope, I hope that um, Scotty and the, and the coaching staff have a, a plan B, C and D here. Um, it's going to depend, depend on how long it takes 
for the country itself to put the new players in. Um, it's it's going to it will take a little bit of time. The, the only the only problem is I use that word time advisedly because um, soon the, the, the games are going to start coming quick and fast to to a week. Um, I agree with the Bobby Reed thing. I mean, Bobby Reed is. I mean, he could be. He can be. I think of him more of a striker, but he has. But he was used as an attacking central midfielder right. as well. And if he's used in the four-three-three, that begs the question: How do you? How does that work with Cavalier and Knockout and, and Mitro? Right. And um, Knockout's obviously made a good start his, his career here. Um, Mitro, we all know about. Cavalier has been a little bit quiet in the other two, but. You know, I think he's going to find his feet. So you've got strength and depth there, which I think is brilliant. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I think um, it, I think it's going to take a few weeks for Scott to, to decide how it's going to finalise itself in terms of the formation. He's got to, the one thing I think we can all agree on is he's got to pick a system that's going to really suit the strength. I think to suit the strength of the players. It's an attack-minded squad, you know, and that's and that's. That's great to then play. It's great to see Tim Ream play so well yesterday because yes, last year, uh, you know, he was uh, injuries notwithstanding, he was completely out of sync. And to be honest, he was out of his depth in the Premier League. And I think even he would agree with that. Um, but now he's back in his, his, his comfort level. And um, I think that um, if Scott can tailor, if he's got the beat. And he's able to have interchangeable parts. I think you're going to be fine. Okay, very good, Max. Your thoughts on this? It's funny because when uh, I was listening to what Ben just shared and then what Janusz just shared, it brought me back to a few years ago when Scott Parker was playing with Fulham, and it was him and McDonald together. And then Jokanovic had to change how things were shaping out, and then obviously. Scott Parker got dropped, and then things really materialized to the Jokanovic way of playing. So potentially there's a lot of things that are going to change here. To fit the players, as Giannis was just saying, do you stick with a system, or do you find the system that matches the talent that you have? What are your thoughts on all of this? Yeah, one thing I love about that you know, 2017-18 promotion season was that you know people often forget how bad we were in that fall period before we hit that 23 match and beaten run. And I remember just to bring it back to kind of Bobby Reed uh, for, for a moment. I remember that it was like, I think it was Halloween, October 31st, we played a home match against Bristol City and fans were screaming out for three at the back because it would mean Cessna attacking fullback. Yep. And you know, Kamara ended up getting sent off, Bobby Reed scored, Reem looked really bad actually, and we lost two at home. And that was a really bad low point. But what, what that says to me is that Jokanovic was not always a 4-3-3 guy. He was willing to experiment with different formations, like that three at the back. And although we settled on the 4-3-3, and he showed uh, a little bit of flexibility earlier on in the season. And, yeah, I, th- I think Parker can, can do that too. Of course, in that last couple matches of the Premier League season, you know, with a different squad, albeit, he played kind of a 4-2-3-1 formation. And that actually worked really well. It did. So I, I think... Parker showed he can be versatile. I'm, I'm not too worried. I think it's a long season. But, you know, with the Bobby Reed point that Ben was bringing up, it's a, it's a really great uh, analysis because a lot of phone fans were saying the exact same thing. Where does Bobby Reed fit in the squad? Right. And, you know, we're saying, listen, sign defenders, sign holding midfielders, <laughs> sign right backs, 
you know, it's great to have Bobby Reed as an option, but do we need him? Probably not. But when you look at that bench, um, you know, yesterday, it's a very strong bench. It is. And Giannis was saying, you know, at the post-match show, after the Barnsley match, we had players starting in that game who he said, listen, they're good players, but they're probably better to have on the bench. And come, and come the next week, they're on the bench, along with a lot stronger players. So I think the squad, first and foremost, the squad is really good, um, except maybe in the defense. But anywhere else in the squad is top class, and it should be enough, I think, for promotion. Okay, very good. All right, quickly, just I want to get your thoughts, Max, on the starting 11, then I'll go to Giannis, and then we'll break down the first half. Uh, yeah, I thought starting 11 was pretty much what I expected. You know, Arter was the big um, name coming in, and McDonald dropping to the bench. One interesting point, uh, Kamara, nowhere to be seen in the squad at all. Very rarely do you see a player go from the starting 11 on the opening day to completely out of the 18. But, you know, with the new with the new uh, arrivals, is there going to be a place for him? Every week, probably not. But that was just a little surprising to see AK-47 drop out. And did we miss him at all? Probably not. And that, I think it's a good sign because it shows we strengthened appropriately. Okay. Giannis, your thoughts on this starting 11 and the 18 overall? And yes, Kamara was not even involved. Your thoughts? No, nor was a nice against Cabana. That's right. Um, I, I, liked, I liked it. I mean, the only question mark was going to be the right back. And I'm not surprised that Christie was put on the bench. And I think part of that might have been, um, I suppose, a humanitarian thing as well in terms of what happened to him last weekend up at Oakland. Um, no, um, no question marks there. Um, you know, regrettable to see Mr. Aite there, but, you know, I, mean, I, can't, I can't have everything my own way. But, um, you know, Cabana and, and Kamala better get used to it unless we start getting injuries because um, you should have a really strong bench. And, and the bench, you know, the Marshall and the Reed, the two Reeds, uh, Christy McDonald as well, that, that's a pretty strong bench as it stands. So now they're going to be fighting for spells. Okay, excellent. All right, let's uh, first start here. Let's break down the first half. I'm just going to mention some key moments, and then, Ben, I'll go to you and just get your analysis overall on the first half. Blackburn came out strong, had an early opportunity, which really got me a little scared of how this match could go. I thought that was a a bad indicator to start the match. But then the match started to move forward, but again, it was uh, not a great performance from Fulham, and I could see the game plan from Tony Mowbray to really stop Fulham from playing the ball off from the back was taking effect. But as the half went on, Fulham actually had a few opportunities. You had Mitro in the 24th minute when he, he had that run, and then it was a very bad shot. And then right after that, you had a knockout shot that just went wide. And then right after that as well, you had Mitro's bicycle kick that goes wide. So there were some opportunities, but the, the flow of play, it just did not look like as we keep going back to this film of a couple of seasons ago, which I was kind of hoping we would see. I don't think we really saw that at all in this match. And uh, I think that's why we started the show talking about the subjects we did. All right. And then, of course, you have the goal from Fulham in the 34th minute from outside the box. Great goal from Tom Kearney set up by Harry Archer. That, as Ben said, you can definitely say it was against the run of play because it really seemed to come out of nowhere. But that changes the match. Goals change the match, and then we really get to the half. Fulham up 1-0. And, Ben, I just want to get your thoughts. As a neutral, you were watching this. Your view of the first half. Yeah, 
Um, I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, I always kind of have this theory that you either win a football match, one, because you're the better team, or two, because you just have better players. And I think this was very much a case of you know, Fulham have just got better players. And yeah, it was a bit stodgy. And yes, most of the flow was, was kind of against Fulham, wasn't it? Struggling to get out of the box. I thought um, Blackburn targeted Joe Bryan quite well. It looked like Dak was gravitating right with Armstrong, who's really quick down the right-hand side, isn't he? And it looked like a lot of a lot of stuff happening there. You just felt, though, that if Fulham got openings, they were going to take them. Blackburn kind of did get little openings, and it didn't really look like they were going to take them. So you can, you can see that even while Parker is putting this thing together, Fulham will win games because... You just have a really good first eleven, most of which who have already been promoted. I'm, I'm very interested to hear your guys' take on on Knockart because he's a player that um, can sort of deliver you 15 goals and 15 assists in the same season. But he's also a player you have to kind of indulge a little bit. You know that nine times out of ten, when he receives the ball on the right hand side, he's cutting in and he's shooting despite anybody else's. Position, so I'd be I'd be interested to see how you see um, him being indulged or or not, as the case may be. Um, brilliant goal by Kearney. He's always been a top player in um, in in this league, but yeah, probably slightly fortunate to be ahead come half time. Okay, very good. Max, over to you. Thoughts on the first half? Also, feel free to share your thoughts on what Ben just shared, and uh, and also he was asking. Your thoughts and Giannis's thoughts on Knockhart. Yeah, Knockhart is, I think that's a great, great way to put it. He is a kind of recurrent talent, but I've never seen someone so direct, honestly, at Fulham for such a long time. Every single time he picks up the ball, yes, he's going to cut in off on the right to the left, but he's also going to take on his man. I mean, very few players, the first option is I'm going to dribble my man one on one and try to beat him. But every single time Knockhart gets the ball, you see that ambition in his eyes, and it's really refreshing. Because we haven't had someone in that right-wing position in a while down at the cottage who's just going to go and attack, attack his man, expose him every single time. So that's great to see for excitement. And also, just, you can just tell the way he whips the ball off his left foot. I, we didn't really, we haven't seen it so far this season, but I feel like if he can get his head up and put in some good deliveries, Mitro's going to also have a superb season because it just seems perfect, those kind of in-swing balls for Mitro to glance a header towards goal. Uh, that's really how we had some of our most effective attacks last season with balls into the box and Mitra heading them down. I just think we need to get more of that in our play this season. Um, yeah, and I think in the first half, it, it wasn't brilliant from Fulham. I, I think uh, you know, Ben's right. Um, Blackburn did try to attack Brian Armstrong, I think, exposed him a number of occasions. But the most important thing is we kind of held strong under pressure, which is something we did not do at all last season, at all. So just to kind of ride out that period of pressure was, was nice to see. And I think it probably should have been tied at the half in terms of the, the passage of play. But, of course, getting the goals at the right times is crucial, and we did that. Okay, excellent. Giannis, over to you. Well, Knockout is an individualistic player, and I think that as um, you know, he's only just started with Fulham, but he's gonna, I'm sure he's going to be reined in at some point. But he's, you know, when you've got players making runs from deep or strikers making the correct sort of runs, pass distribution is going to be absolutely critical. I'm sure Mitro is going to get in his ear about that and Kearney and probably Arthur. And I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if 
you know, in the, in the not too distant future, we're going to see that, that Art is the de facto captain of the side. You know, on the basis of the, you know his all-round performance yesterday and his, and his leadership. Um, I think Blackburn will be very disappointed about the, the manner of uh, Tom Kearney's goal. I mean, I thought Arthur did a brilliant job. Turn on the sixpence. He's, dra- he's dragged a couple of players with him and he's, and he's knocked it to Kearney. But Kearney should never be given that much room. I think that Tony Mowbray will have, a, will have had a couple of words in the, the change room about giving a player that quality that much room to, to tee it up. And I'm not sure about the keeper, um, Walton, and whether he maybe, I thought his reaction was a, a, a tinty bit late, whether he could have got there or not. It was, a, it was a superb goal, don't get me wrong. But I think um, you shouldn't really be letting goals from that far out. And and a player like Kenny shouldn't have that much space to tee it up on that left left foot from that far out anyway. So a couple of talking points there. Yep. But back to the knockout thing, I think that... Um, you know, it's gonna. It's early. It's early days, but I, hopefully he will. It's great to be able to take players on at well, but you've got. Um, you've also got to do the other stuff off the ball and, and be intelligent in terms of your pass distribution and uh, who you take on and who you don't. And hopefully that will be reined in. Okay. Yeah, I was right back to you talking about Harry Arta because me and Emilio were talking about this on full time, and I said that a player like him. You know, first of all, I think he fits into form. I think he offers something that we're missing. He has a little bit of nastiness to him. He has leadership qualities, which we can see. So what are your thoughts about those parts of his game? Because I think just having him as part of the starting 11, is going to add something that we're missing. Big time. He's a better version of Steph Joe. You know, Steph Joe, we love him because he can be a little bit nasty and, you know, in the, he pulls off shenanigans and what have you, but I think Arthur's got more skill. I think he's a better pass of a ball. I think he's got better mobility, better range. I think he's a more intelligent player. I was delighted with the pickup because that's the sort of player we've been screaming for. If you looked at last weekend against uh, Barnsley, you know, I said we looked legged and slow. Yeah. Um, and, and as much as we love, you know, K-Mac and, and Steph Joe, we just, we just didn't look up to snuff. Whereas with Arthur, you've got Someone who's going to antagonise. I think I read a, uh, I read a, um, a, a review about him. But he's the kind of guy that would, uh, um, he, he's the kind of guy that would get yellow and red cards at training. That's the sort of player he is. He's, he's you know, he's, he's, all, he's all action, which I think is great. And he'll call his, and he'll call his teammates into account as well. And I think that's a, a leadership quality that's that, that's that's really really important. You know, you can talk talk, but can you walk the walk as well? Right, and I thought Arthur was outstanding, and I think that goal exemplified it because there didn't really seem to be anything on, but he lost the two players, and it's a nice ball, and uh, he has managed to catch uh, Kenny in space, and he's he's done the rest. So um, you could see a huge upgrade in, in terms of bringing him into the club. Okay, excellent, Ben. As a neutral, I want your thoughts about Harry Arthur because you were talking earlier about how Jokanovic wanted to play, and it's something that I'll probably be talking about a lot this season. But Harry Archer, I think, offers something that Fulham need. He's a difference maker. You know, again, just his attitude on the pitch, his leadership qualities. What are your thoughts about what he brought in this match? Um, Well, he's obviously quality, isn't he? And when I was doing the transfer deadline stuff, it's 300 career appearances, 94 Premier League appearances. He should just be better than most central midfielders, if not, you know, 95% 95% of central midfielders in the championship. Fascinated to hear what Yanis was saying about um, 
Stefan Johansson and whether you guys, if he does stick with a middle three, because at the end when, um, and we'll come to this, spoiler yep. alert, um, when Harrison Reed comes on, it's Reed that sits and then you have That's Kenny right. and uh, Arthur Dovetail. I don't know whether you guys think the midfield might end up being those three um, instead, but yeah, re- really like Arthur, and you ca- you can't really go wrong, can you? The Bournemouth are um, known for technically being very good, and it just stands to reason that if you take a player playing at the level Arthur is, he should be able to just come in and, and boss it in the championship, shouldn't he? Yes, absolutely. All right, guys, let's now talk about the second half. I'll go through the key moments, and then I'll get all of your analysis of uh, what we watched here. In the 50th minute, you do have a shot by Cavallero that goes over. He was quite a good amount of the match, but there was an opportunity there. And then I want to mention a very good opportunity from Blackburn in the 53rd minute. You have a shot from Armstrong that just goes wide. And then uh, in the 57th minute, you have that shot by Harry Archer that also goes wide. In the 61st minute, you have Steph Joe going off and you have Bobby Reed coming on. We've talked a little bit about that what potentially Bobby Reed offered. And I was just mentioning that I just thought that he, he gave Fulham some energy and some pace. And this is something that Ben mentioned in his video as well. In the uh, 68th minute, this is when I, I thought Fulham were, were going to uh, extend their lead is the uh, shot by Narcart that just goes over. It was very close. And um, right after that, and, you know, again, you have, you have uh, Stuart Downing coming on for Blackburn. And as Ben mentioned, you have the change of system for Blackburn during the second half. And maybe that changes how uh, Fulham ended up playing. And in the 73rd minute, you have Kearney's free kick that just goes over. And then uh, in the 79th minute, you do have Harrison Reed coming on from Cavalera. I definitely want to talk about what Ben just shared with us a few minutes ago. And then two minutes later, you have Mitro scoring, but this is set up from Joe Bryan. This is really a tap-in. And um, then later on, you have Bobby Reed, who should have scored. His shot just goes wide in the 89th minute. So those are some of the highlights of the second half. And um, I'll go I'll go back to you, Ben. Your thoughts on the second half? Um, I thought the pattern was re-emerging of the first half, actually, with um, Fulham struggling a little bit to play out. And then you're totally right. It's the substitutions that that changes it. Reed added a little bit more pep. Um, and then, um, yeah, Blackburn then kind of go for it in Tony Mowbray fashion. Obviously, it's not completely um, balls to the wall stuff, but they, they're then more open. Um, obviously, as you say, Bobby Reed ends up going out left. And... Um, Bit of a bit of a giveaway. The second goal wasn't it? There's two. There's two guys right. on Joe Bryan, but he still manages to get the crossover, and Mitrovic gets the tap in. Um, really interesting that you ended with three at the back. Obviously, they've now yes. got Gallagher and um, uh, Graham on. So obviously, Parker puts an extra centre half in to negate the height. Um, and just really, really interesting that um, the biggest chance Fulham create all day is by the keeper booting it down the ground. You've now got a front two of Mitrovic and Reed. Mitrovic, big man, flicks it on for the little man. And yeah, it should yeah. have been 3-0. But that's, I mean, it should be music to your guys' ears. All these options you've got now where you can bring Harrison Reed in to shore that's up right. the midfield. You can go to a front two with big man, little man. 
you had Bobby Reed playing out left. You end with three at the back with um, Lamarchand coming in with Reed and Mawson, and your fullbacks look comfortable at wing back. End with a midfield three that we mentioned of Arthur Reed and Kenny. He's almost spoilt for choice, but like um, Yanis said, it's got to be the one that suits the players to to go forward with. But um, comfortable in the end, opened up with the Blackburn changes and Blackburn quote going for it and leaving themselves a bit more a bit more open. But I just think the whole subplot is Parker trying a load of stuff out and seeing what sticks. That's very interesting that you shared that, Ben. Over to you, Giannis. Your thoughts on what Ben just shared about the second half and the moves that he made later on in the match, which are interesting. Yeah, they were. And I think, and, and um, you know, I think, I mean, he had to bring Reed on. You know, he'd have been chomping at something a bit. Um, well, they've got both Reeds, and I thought they acquitted themselves pretty well. Um, I've got to give um, Joe Bryan some credit for that second goal. It was a, sort of a broken play. He's taken the sort of bodied one off. He's gone wide and he's he's crossed it in and it's taken a deflection and keeper's got no chance. He's just it's, it was a, you know it was a tapping for Mitra as it was the right place right time, um, which made it two nothing, which flattered us a little bit. But you know as Ben said, it's sort of all of a sudden you've got this, you've got this now you've got other options you can play like the big man little man thing, which right. is great. Um, and and it, it should be a word to the wise for for Scotty that. You've got a lot of very good players at your disposal where you've got a lot of permutations there that you can play with as well as formations. And he's going to need to, you know, again, hit the ground running with what he's got because what I see based even on the 11 that we started is we've got a lot of quality out there. And it's only going to get better when you've got a strong bench as well, which I think is great. Um, so he will know now that we can, you know, we've got the talent to knock teams over. But we have to do it in a way, you know, that doesn't compromise what we do at the back. One of the biggest things I think for us is that we, we at least we kept a clean, clean sheet yesterday. Right. Because the biggest thing this week with the transfer deadline was the fact that we didn't pick up a defender, and it's still a little mystifying. Although we know that the Michael Hector um, deal broke down, and we know why. So I'll, I'll, I'll save myself from any expletives on the air. But uh, with what we've got. Um, we're okay. What does worry me, though, is um, if we come up against better teams and we get injuries at the back, because then we could be in a lot of doo-doo in terms of who plays at the back. We, 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 I still think we're very thin at the back. Um, so, but that's, um, that's, well, that's another issue for another day. Okay, excellent. Max, your thoughts on the second half and also what Ben shared and then, of course, what Yana shared. I'm curious your view on the moves that Scott Parker made near the end? We have so many options. That's my biggest takeaway, is that there's just so much we can do with this team, and that's exciting because there are going to be in, invariably many different situations this season when we're down, we're chasing the goal, and just having that security that you can bring off really class players off the bench and change up the formation, go more direct, go two up front, try to be a little more um, long ball, you know, as Ben mentioned. You know, it's not the prettiest, but in the championship, you might have to resort to that sometimes. And the fact that we brought in players that can allow these changes in style to happen, it's great to see. You know, we have a very, very strong squad up front. And the second half showed that, right? There was one, of course, that picture that's in the rounds on social media is Mitro celebrating his goal. And then, of course, you have Knockart, Bobby Reed, and Kearney all with him and, and attack four with those players in it. 
is just so, so fearsome. And knowing that you can bring on, bring on Reed half an hour to go, and I don't think he was superb on Saturday, but he did add um, a, a good a good element to that attack. There's one time when – Yeah, that was were, my point, yeah. Max. It's not that he set the world on fire, but I think his addition added something. Exactly, and there's one pasture of play when we switch the ball from left to right. And I think all four of those players I mentioned, you know, Knockart, uh, Mitra, Reed, and Kerry touched the ball as they switched the play. And we were just running in full flow. And we didn't score from it, but it was just what could be in the season. Those four players running at tired defenses, late in matches. And I just think we're going to score a boatload of goals. Okay, excellent. Very good there, Max. Okay, let's now look at the full-time stats. I always like to look at the stats and see what they tell us. And Ben, I'm, I'll, I'll start with you because I'm curious your view of the full-time stats. This is from Fulham. I actually saw slightly different stats from a, a different source. So I'm I'm just going by the full map here. Possession was 60% to 40% in favor of Fulham. Total shots, 12 to 9 in favor of Fulham. On target, 2 for Fulham, 0 for Blackburn. Corners, 5 even. Crosses were in favor of Blackburn, 21 to 11. Let's now move forward. This is always a, a stat that we always talk about on Cottage Talk, passing accuracy. And Fulham were at 83%, and Blackburn were at 72%. And then we look at fouls were 9 for Fulham and 15 for Blackburn. What are your thoughts about the full-time stats, and what did they tell you? Did they tell you anything about how this match played out? Well, I think they hopefully back up everything we've said. The two key ones, one is Fulham 60% possession, although I'd like to know how much of that was between Reed Morse and Bettinelli <laughs> and you know how much of it was in Fulham's own penalty box. The other really big glaring stat is Blackburn, zero shots on target. That's they, right. They executed their strategy, and I keep saying it, you're going to play... Teams, I know they hate it when they say teams like Blackburn, quote, we have a lot of respect for Blackburn, obviously, but you're going to play them in February on a Tuesday. You're going to play rubbish and you're going to win because you've got better players. And I, I think it says a lot about Blackburn that they executed their plan. Zero shots on target. Well, you that's right. Unless you get a nice jammy own. Although you didn't mention Mitrovic nearly scored the mother of all own goals in the first half, didn't he? <laughs> Unless yeah. you get a very jammy that's true. Own, own goal. Yeah. So... I'm a, I'm a little bit worried about Blackburn, but um, sometimes you learn more when the when the stats completely look totally awry from what you're saying, and you're like, why is this? But I think the stats totally totally back up our conversation, don't they? I agree, Ben. And just one second on Blackburn because I'm glad that you mentioned this because when I watched your video, I was thinking what you were basically saying is that if you're a Blackburn supporter, are you concerned because yeah, what's the upside? Game- what was that? What's the upside? Yeah, of exactly. executing your plan and losing 2 now. Exactly. Where do you go from here? Because we know Fulham has a much higher ceiling. So what do you do if you're Blackburn? Because if, if you play to your ability and you still lose, where do you go from here? And this sums up, and um, Fulham fans should have no arrogance in realising that player for player, they should be unmatched in this division. Okay, excellent. Over to you, Giannis. Thoughts on the full-time stats? Well, conceding no shots on net is always a good thing. That means you're not going to lose. <laughs> but if we remember back to the, the, the Yukanovich days, 
know, routinely we were going 65, 70, 75% possession. Um, so 60% is a start. Uh, and, and, and Ben's right, we've got enough talent where we should be able to knock off, to, you know, you know, have a lot of success in this division. Having said that, this is once again a very, very strong division. And uh, there's no team that I can look at and say, well, that will be, that will be, that will be slim pickings. Um, you know, we're going to have some very, very tough road games, and especially the midweek ones are real buggers, I mean, as we all know. So um, it was pleasing. I think the, the main thing is we got the two goals, um, and we've not conceded any shots. And I think Scotty Park will be very pleased about that. You know, that that's that will, will always give us a chance if we can tighten up defensively to make it us difficult to break down. We had some elements of luck yesterday, though. Sure. And when they look at the videotape, they will, you know, the players will know that there were there were breakdowns in in, in um, the first two zones in our half that we're going to have to, you know, um, we're going to have to tighten up on because we are going to come up against better teams in more miserable conditions on on the road where uh, if it starts to break down, we're going to run into some some issues. Okay, excellent. Max, your thoughts on the full time stats. You know, possession is a big thing. Passing accuracy is the big thing. And I want to go back to something Ben said, because I think it's an interesting point to unpack, is that, you know, based on our squad, we should be a match for basically every team in this league. And that's encouraging to me. But then I've also, I've seen teams, you know, last season, um, I'm sure Ben can talk about this because he's been watching the championship closely when we might have been focused on the Premier League last season. But teams like Stoke <laughs> and Swansea, and West Brom, when, when you look at their squads, and I just saw, I didn't watch them play week in, week out. I just kind of look at their starting 11s and their benches, and I say, wow, these teams are so, far too good for this division. These teams are chock full of Premier League players, and they go out and, you know, they don't get promoted. So I think, although our squad on paper looks great, I think we have to be mindful that this league is a very difficult league to get out of, and we still have to put in the hard work and graft. Um, and nothing's going to be handed to us as that first match of the season showed. We have to work for it. Okay, Max, right back to you. Who was your man of the match? I'm going to say Harry Arder. I think uh, he was such a breath of fresh air in that midfield. He was a tireless worker. He was motivating the lads. And I think his assist to Kearney's goal is kind of quite underrated. What he did under pressure with two guys on him to have the wherewithal to square it to the open man right after the corner got cleared, that's top class. And he seems, like you guys have said all, all show, he seems like a leader. He seems like almost captain material. And, you know, coming up from non-league to the Premier League, he has that work ethic that we need in that in that workhouse position of the sentiment field. I think he'll be excellent, and he's my man in the match. Okay. Giannis, I would go with Harry, Harry Archer, but I think it's easy also to Harry. go with Tim Ream. Harry? Okay. Harry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got you, Giannis. I, I think he made your point. Ben, your thoughts. Who was Fulham's man of the match? Oh, it's actually quite hard to hard to call because no one really stood out, did they? Um, being as the others have gone for Arta, I will go for Tom Kearney on the basis that his individual quality, you can imagine that still being nil-nil at 60 minutes. Parker would yeah. have had some hard decisions and I guess Kearney bailed him out with a bit of individual quality. So I'll just play contrarian and go for Kearney. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. All right, guys, fantastic show. Ben, before we go, I, I want to go right back to you. I want to thank you for joining us on the Cottage Talk post-match show, and I would highly recommend everyone going 
to YouTube and watching Ben's videos. It's not obviously just about foam, but this one particular was about foam because he was at the match, and I thought his analysis, this is just my opinion, was spot on. And so, Ben, I want to thank you for joining us. And once again, before we go, just tell everyone how they can reach you. Um, so at Benjamin Bloom on Twitter, um, just type Benjamin Bloom into YouTube and my ugly mug will appear. May I just plug? <laughs> I, will be, I will be at Cardiff versus Fulham on Friday the 13th oh. of August. And I will also be at Fulham versus West Brom because you're going to be on the telly lots, aren't you, with your nice ex-Premier League players um, on Saturday the 14th of September as well. So I'll be reviewing both of those games. So well worth hitting that subscribe button for some (laughs) impartial Fulham content. And you should have a nice fun season because you're going to win lots of games. Thank you, Ben. And we might have to uh, get you back on the show. So thank you. It would be my pleasure. Oh, that's great. Mr. Janaeus, your thoughts on the show before we go? We didn't mention Mark Fotheringham. <laughs> no, we didn't. Kyle McFudgeon. Um, yeah, great show. Great, no, great show. Great show today. And um, but before you know it, we've got Huddersfield on Friday, and that's going to be a, a bit of a doozy. And uh, But uh, I'll be in contact with you from the Dominican Republic. Okay, excellent, Giannis. Mr. Cohen, before we go, any final thoughts? Great show. Always great to do it after win. And Giannis, just steer clear of any drinks in the DR. Don't want you coming back. Uh, don't want you dying over there. You know, you've well, seen yes, a lot of dodgy uh, things yes. going on. So be safe, Giannis. Yes, be I, safe. yes I've had problems in the DR before with um, Deli Belly. So I'm going to be very <laughs> careful what I drink down there. I'll stick to my cups of tea. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to hear. All right. Before we wrap up this episode, I just want to mention to subscribe to Cottage Talk on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're now on the iHeartRadio app. We're in so many different places. It's the easiest way to get every one of our episodes. So please do subscribe. All right, well, let's end this show. For our special guest, Benjamin Bloom, my co-host, Janos Janais and Max Cohen. I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.